Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, educator, trombonist from Austin, Texas, Alton St. Clair. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. To hi today. Wow, I already screwed up. We have Elton St. Clair with us, sir. Thank you for joining with us. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Uh, Please introduce yourself and then we'll get yeah. into it. Yeah, how's it going? My name is Alton St. Clair. I'm a trombonist, educator, and author out in uh, New York City. Okay, well, first of all, I'd just like to say your album, I Loved. Oh, man. So it's actually pretty funny that it came across my desk because the person who even told me to listen to it, this guy freaking knew I was going to like it. So I yeah. got to give him that. So, and just so you know, people, yes, Art's on the album. Yes, Diego's on the album. They both came on the show. I'm not even fanboying it. I just think <laughs> it's a well put together group. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a. it was a really fun time in the studio. It was a. It was an ideal situation. So who put the group together? What made this project go? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a long answer. So, um, Mark free, who's, uh, who's one of the heads of Positone, him and Nick O'Toole, great people. I've been interacting with them for quite some time. Um, Mark is Mark. If you know, Mark, he can help you with like anything. And, and he, uh, so he gave me some advice a couple of years ago on an album I put out. And so we kept in touch in a relationship. Um, I've known Diego because he was one of my teachers at Michigan State whenever I went to uh, grad school there. And I've known about Rudy Royston for years. One of my mentors back in Austin, Texas, by the name of Pete Rodriguez, uses uh, Rudy on just about every album. And uh, Boris, I've been listening to since he was playing with Eddie Palmieri and Brian Lynch like 15, 20 years ago. And Art, I've just known because of the Positone record label. Um, and then Patrick Cornelius, though, that's a new name for me. Uh, I've seen his name on Positone, but he's actually from San Antonio. So it was a nice little connection there, uh, being, you know, two Texans or now three Texans because Diego lives in, uh, yeah, he moved over there uh, in Austin. Yeah. yeah. He moved there whenever I left. I was like, dang, that could have been cool. <laughs> um, but the project came to fruition. Um, I had been talking to Mark Free and I had done a few projects for him. I appeared on Ben Galise's latest album. Patrick Cornelius's latest album going out tomorrow. Um, and then I was on the Something Blue record. And then I had done some uh, arranging and copyist work for, for Mike Dees and and um, and the Swing Tet. I did an arrangement for them, I believe. I don't know whenever it's coming out, but I did one. So I've been interacting with Mark for, Mark for about four years before I, I got in the studio with them. And it came about because Mike Dees needed me. Uh, he's a mentor. Uh, to me and still is a wonderful, as you know, amazing trombonist and educator in person. He, um, he was like, man, I, I can't do this date, but you need to do this date. This would be a really great opportunity for you. And so I, of course, jumped at the helm. I was living in Austin at the time, but I was looking to move to New York. And, um, and so I jumped, it was like September of 21. So things were like kind of semi-normal. It was, it was, it was there. But it was like, is this false? Um, so, but the session happened. We all got COVID tested. It was great. <laughs> um, and so did that. And I kept in touch with Mark for a while. 
And uh, and if you know Mark, he loves he loves long phone calls, and I'm 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 about it too. You know, uh, I love Mark. I love Mark, and you know if he if he hears that, I love our phone calls because uh, they always lead to something else that I wouldn't think about, which is great because he helps me out. And so, you know, had a, had a bunch of phone calls with Mark, and eventually he was like, well, you know, at some point we can do something for you. I was like, okay, well, I'd love to do that, um, but Mark is really good about predicting things. So of course something popped up. I, I got invited to go on tour with Michael Buble for about seven months. Uh, it's like, you gotta like, stop you on that. So how was yeah. that? <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Michael is a really kind human being. Uh, the band has been together for 20 years. Um, unfortunately some other people in that band, the reason why I got in and why there was like a new wave this past year, um, they got in because, uh, well, there is a personnel change. It will, and I heard it, the director, the piano player, left and started his own. He did stuff. too. Yeah, yeah. He he left, and um, there was just some things going on. I guess that were were not what people wanted to happen in in the upper sphere of of the Buble organization. And so, some people had a, a career change, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get a phone call, and uh, and so that's how I that's how I became on it. Um, I knew. Actually, one of my really good friends who plays lead alto for Michael, his name is Marcus Howe. He's on a positone uh, as well. And uh, Marcus recommended a bunch of people, and then he uh, he confirmed like you know the people that were recommended, and so luckily I was one of them. And uh, yeah, I toured for, with them for seven months. Uh, it was like from June 26th until like November 19th, and I think I maybe had three weeks off during that entire span. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, great organization, great music and a wonderful opportunity. I've probably seen parts of the world that other people won't. So I'm very, very fortunate for that. And, uh, and so it was cool. And then whenever I came back, um, I learned that Michael was going to downsize the band for the next, this year. So I was like, okay, well, I'll be in New York and I guess I can finally live here. And the reason why that's pertinent is because the day I moved to New York, I got called for that tour. <laughs> So once again, some of these guests I have, what a horrible, horrible life you live. I know, man. <laughs> I know. But but the thing was, is that I had literally signed my lease two hours before I got that phone call. I was so mad. <laughs> Could have saved money. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. It's cool. Um, everything happens for a reason. And and uh, so, you know, we did that. And uh, whenever I came back from tour, um, in January, I got told about like, hey, we're going to go with a smaller band for the next for the next year. Um, inflation affects everybody. And so uh, I was like, OK, well, you know, I moved to New York to be in New York. And so the first person I called was Mark Free. And, and I was like, Mark, um, listen, you know, I know you already got ducks set in a row, but if you have a date open, I'd love to do a record. Um, I'm free now. And and uh, he was like, whoa. Okay. So he thought about it. And, and the cool thing was I was in LA, uh, about two weeks before that phone call and I went to go catch up with Mark and uh, I actually got the CD of something blue that I was on. I always love collecting those CDs whenever, whenever like I've appeared on them. Um, it's a really cool catalog for me. And so he, um, he was like, he, he, he already been hinting at the fact that he wanted me to do a record, but the timing just wasn't right because I was about to go on tour with Michael. But then the Michael thing uh, fell through. And so whenever I uh, whenever I called Mark, he took about three, four days and he was like, all right, you're in. And so I got a date on February 6th. I think I called him January 
third. Yeah. And so Mark uh, was like, let's do something. And so I had already been writing uh, for my next record because I've done three records from previously. Um, two of them were, were, or one of them was self-released. The next one was, uh, on a smaller label. Um, and the, and the, the third one I did was on outside of music. And so this one, uh, being on Positone, I, I really was trying to prepare for, for something, uh, while on tour. So I wrote about like 20 tunes while on tour and, uh, lo and behold, I got to record 12 of them or 11 of them on my first session. And that's how the record came about. The personnel was easy. I, I love the positone almost has like a house rhythm section with like Rudy, Boris, and Art. Mm-hmm. And man, that's a great, <laughs> that's a that's great, good. <laughs> like, and, and, and I'm sure you know this listening to the album. I, uh, I, I really cater to like the Latin side of my Latin side of like who I am. Um, I, I also cater to the Turkish side. I did that on my last album, but I've, I've been really wanting to explore the Latin side of like who I am. And the reason is, is because like my very first gigs when I was like 13, 14, I was playing in salsa bands in uh, Texas and uh, my mom would take me. It was embarrassing, but it was awesome. Uh, and so, yeah. Are you that one day I had to sneak in the back door? No, luckily the salsa gigs were outside. Okay. So yeah, so it was cool, but I have sneak, but I have had to sneak into plenty of clubs um, before I turned 21. But um, so I've always had my ties to like clave and like, and uh, salsa music in particular, as well as just like La- Afro Latin, Afro Caribbean and, and African diaspora music. And so because of that, I, uh, this, this last, uh, this first album I did with Positone, I want to focus more on that. And actually the, the one I just recorded with them that'll come out next year is even heavier into, into the Latin oh. stuff. Is it the same rhythm section? Oh, uh, it's close. It's oh, close. Who's not in it? Uh, Bor- Boris couldn't make it. Okay. Uh, so I hired this great cat. His name is Raul Reyes. He's in uh, Afro Latin Jazz Orchestra, and he can also swing his butt off. And so I was like, I need somebody that can do both. And so Raul was the cat. And Mark had been hearing about him, so it worked out beautifully. Okay. Just so you know, the Nutville arrangement you guys did. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> and shout out to the drum solo because, you know, me being biased, being a percussionist. Yes. Rudy, outstanding job on that. <laughs> yeah, Rudy is a, he's an animal. There's no other way to put it. <laughs> okay. And when did that album come out, by the way? Just so I know. Uh, so the one that just came out? Uh, no, no, no. Not this, not this latest one. Not in good standings. The next oh. one that you just recorded. Oh, that'll come out sometime next year. Okay. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. I just got my takes, but man, yeah, I'm really happy. Okay. And yes, people, In Good Standings is out now. So please yeah. check it out. I think As, it's worth your time. And since you already brought up Michael Boulette, uh, just curious. You recorded with Neo. Mm-hmm. Which track or song was it? Oh, so I didn't record with Neo. I, I played with Neo in Detroit for uh, for Barry Gordy's 65th or se- maybe it was 66th uh, Motown anniversary. I was actually the, the band arranger for that. Ah, now we got a conversation on that. Okay. Yeah. How do you get that gig? What else did you guys play? What? Oh man, that was, that gig taught me a lot. Um, so I was working with, uh, there's this cat named uh, Kern. Uh, he plays bass and he's played bass with like everybody, every pop star you can imagine. Um, Ariana Grande, I think he was the MD for her. Or no, maybe that was Troy. Anyways, he's worked with Ariana. Um, and a slew of other people, Jay-Z, Beyonce, all of them. 
And so Kern knows um, knows this cat in Detroit named Kenny Robinson. He has a uh, he has a thing out called Robinson's Remedies, which is like brass player uh, brass player um, chop chop help. It like it helps with like swelling and whatnot. And because Kenny's a great trumpet player, he like toured with Maynard Ferguson and you know living in Detroit, like he's a great trumpet player and he does classical and jazz very well. So Kenny got the call and he was like, "Man, I need somebody. I need a trombone player." And so previous to playing with uh, with that particular gig. I, uh, I had been touring with the Temptations of Four Tops, uh, which Kenny was also booking. And so he asked me, and he was like, hey, man, we need like, 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 we need you to do like the house band thing. And if you're down, you know, we'll pay you extra for the charts. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll write some charts. And um, so I found out the lineup and it was, uh, it was pretty daunting. It was the Temptations of Four Tops. I didn't have to write arrangements. It was cool. Um, but Martha Reeves, uh, um, uh, uh, Neo and, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of that gig. Uh, who else was on it? Oh, uh, Kim, Kim, Beth and Kim. Okay. Yeah. Beth and Kim was on it. Um, and then there's like this beatboxer and I can't, I'm missing his name. He's a Detroit cat, Motown cat, uh, or Motown artist. Um, I can't remember his name. And then Jennifer Hudson was supposed to be on it, but she couldn't do it. So I was like, dang. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, that was a whole slew of talent. So I, I did all the arrangements for like the tunes that we played and it was filmed for like CBS and all that stuff. And, uh, and so I was unofficially like the associate music director for like the horns, but, um, but the music director was, was Kern Bradley, the, the bass player, but I did all the arrangements for that. Uh, it was a 10 piece horn section and it was, a yeah, it was a, it was amazing. Actually, the person, you know, the uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire tune, September. Yeah. Um, so the person that's one of like that's credited with writing that, uh, she she died not too long ago, maybe like two years ago, and I'm blanking on her name, but she like saw me like emergency writing some like edits that we had just done in sound check, and I was like, okay, well, I got to get this done um, before like we like hit hit the hit the tape, and so I was like. I was writing and she was like, baby, how are you doing? I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Like I was like in the zone and she came up to me and she was like, uh, you know what? I'm just going to tell you this. Everything's going to be okay. I see you're like kind of fast paced, but everything's going to be okay. I was like, I know it's going to be because we're about to film. <clears throat> Lo and behold, she won like the Lifetime Achievement Award that night. And 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 I like I, – I went up to her afterwards. I was like, hey, I, I, I wrote all the tune – arrangements for the horns tonight so please forgive me if i was like a little rude i just i was like in the zone trying to get it uh trying to get it there she was like no listen that's why i told you everything's gonna be okay and it was <laughs> um and so I, i'm blanking on her name uh but she she had like been credited with a few like motown or with a few like like hits was it ali wells yes okay yeah sweet <laughs> yeah it, it was it was intense for me and uh because i was that was like my so you didn't recognize her? No, I I wasn't even like thinking. That's awesome. I, I, wasn't, I was just like, I gotta write this stuff to make sure it's perfect for CBS. Cause uh I was like 24 whenever I did that. And uh I was like right out of grad school. I think it was like September after I graduated. Perfect. And I was like, damn, like this is major, but I gotta like make this like happen. And like I shook Barry Gordy's hand. It, it was really cool. But the Neo thing specifically, yeah, Neo was a part of that. 
and it was a uh, it was awesome. Okay, and then a complete one eighty on that is yeah, Big Sean. I'm Big Sean was also on it. Okay, Big Sean was also on it. That's right. I was like, I know I'm forgetting. It's not Soldier Boy. It was, yeah, it was Big Sean. So how was that? Because you you go from a disco, jazz fusion, yeah, funk to rap. So we like we had we had a thing. So like we started with Kim and Beth on "Ain't No Mountain High Enough." Uh-huh. Then we went to the Temptations and Four Tops. You know, we did we did their book, or we did like a few tunes. You know, mm-hmm. then we did um, uh, Martha. We did Martha, of course, and then we had like a little thing for for uh, for like some of like the walk up people and uh, and all that. Like we did uh, Tears of a Clown, but mm-hmm. Smokey Smokey wasn't there. Um, I wish he would have been, uh, but, but tears of a clown, then Barry Gordy got up, was honored, talked, and then we did something with Neo and then soldier boy. And then we had a finale with everybody. And I forget what we played. It was like a really common tune, but yeah, okay. it was amazing. Oh, and the Velvelettes, the Velvelettes were on it too. Okay, now I remember. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was like, it was like classic Detroit. And then, you know, like those newer age, they're not necessarily new age anymore, but they were newer to the Motown record label. Okay. That is, I must say, an experience I never had. So I'm jealous <laughs> of you on that. <laughs> so, Mr. McBride, what Yo, were you doing with him? I was scared. That's what I was. Um, <laughs> I so I mentioned before Mike Dees is a mentor to me and uh, he's been really great. Uh, so Mike Dees plays lead trombone in Christian McBride's big band. He's been on all the records that have won all the Grammys and everything. And so he had like tried before to like have like one of his like students sub and it unfortunately didn't work out. Um, you know, Michigan State is a really good school for like recruitment uh, for like guest artists to like engage with like the younger generation. So I didn't get to interact with Christian whenever they came. I think he came like the year before I was there. But um, Dees was like, hey, I think I can get you to sub sub on a McBride Big Band gig. Do you want to do that? And the reason why that came about was because the, the first day I walked into his office, or maybe it was like a week or two before, um, he was like, I wanted to see a five-year goal for, from you. And so I, I like wrote down a whole bunch of like things that I wanted to do. And playing with McBride was one of them. Um, and so April of – well, I got called in January of 2019 by Dean's. He was like, hey, I think I can – I think I'm going to sub you this gig. He was like, but you can't say anything. I don't want anybody to like feel like I'm like sliding anybody. You know, because students could, you know, maybe take it like, well, what, you know, why can't I be considered? Stuff like that, you know. And so – and so I was really gracious for him because, you know, he's always looked out for me. He's always looked out for me. Um, you know, he looked out for me with Positone too and uh, and many other things. But I got – so I got the confirmation that I was going to sub on it. And uh, I like memorized all of his albums, like all the Big Man albums. Mm-hmm. I was It was on repeat. There was – they were not going to play something that I did not know, you know. And so whenever I went in, I, uh, I flew out to Mesa. And uh, the band walked in, and I, I was already there. Uh, I decided that I wanted to get there a day early, and so and so like I just flew myself out there because like I was like I'm about to play with McBride. I'm not gonna have any little. I'm not gonna have any inconvenience. I'm gonna make sure that I'm ready to play with him. 
Um, and so I did it. And whenever, whenever I got there, Steve Davis is on the gig, James Burton, nice. and so it was like, bro, you know, you can't get much better than that. Um, and so whenever I went, Stevie D, Steve Davis had just came to Michigan State, so he knew I was like on the gig. And he was like, Alton, what's going on, man? I was like, hey, Stevie D, it's good to meet you. Or no, I was like, hey, Professor Davis, how are you doing? He was like, don't call me that here. Um, he was like, call me Stevie D. I was like, okay, because I just don't know. And I'm from the South, so I refer to everybody as Mr., uh, Mrs., you know, stuff like that, or Miss. Um, growing up in Texas, that's just like a, a kind of – it's a thing. You know, that's what you do. Uh, and so I got there, sound check. I'm like nailing it, feel great. So we all go eat dinner in the back. And I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get this food. And then I went to go sit by myself because I didn't feel like I could like sit with just anybody. I mean, Frank Green, Steve Wilson, like, what am I gonna do sitting with them? Like, they're gonna be like, who the hell are you? <laughs> you know, you're just filling in. And so I went to go sit at this table. And so Steve Davis comes up to me. He was like, hey, Alton, can I sit with you? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets better. He was like, Hey, McBride, Steve Wilson. Or he was like, Wilson, come here, man. And so I'm sitting with, uh, Steve Davis, Christian and Steve Wilson. And I think Melissa comes up to, uh, Christian's wife. Yes. And so, and so I'm just like, I'm just like trying to eat my food and I'm just trying to listen. I'm not trying to say anything. Cause I'm just like, you know what? This is not the time for me to say to talk. This is the time for me to listen and tell everybody about this five, ten years later. <laughs> and so Steve Davis is like, hey, Christian, hey, man, this is Alton, man. He's a really great, outstanding young trombonist, man. He's one of Deez's former students. It's like, I'm not going to do the impression. But but McBride was like, McBride was like, what's up, man? I was like, hey, Mr. McBride. He was like, how old are you? I was like, oh, I'm 24. He was like, call me Christian. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, the, the South thing. So, you know, we're talking and it, it's cool. Uh, so we play the gig and, it, and during sound check, I didn't, I didn't have a solo. So I was like, all right, cool, but I'm going to nail these parts, you know, but then Christian points to me on, um, um in a hurry mm -hmm. and points to me, it's like a G blues. And he's like, and I, so I stand up and I, I like shed it a solo for every single tune during the gig. Yeah. Oh, no. And so, and See, so I, had stuff a, I like Christian, even though yeah. he made fun of me hard once, <laughs> oh, man, like I had a solo ready for any one of those tunes, any one of them, like just in case, even thermo. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I was like, all right, cool. So I remember I was like, I'd been, I'd been shedding like this one, like couple of solos that I like memorized just in case. Cause I, I wasn't about to like do a spur of the moment with Christian as like a student. I was like, no man, I'm gonna show him exactly what I can do. Um, and so I played and I'm, I'm, it's going to be very arrogant, but I played the shit out of that solo. Um, what's wrong with like, being I, cocky and full of yourself? Huh? What's wrong with being cocky or full of yourself? You're right. You're right. You're right. So I played the shit out of that solo. My man. I, I, went, I went in. <laughs> I went in and like, I like memorized some Mike D stuff, some CBD stuff. I, I was like ready, you know? And so at the end of the night, I, uh, I was like, Hey Christian, thanks for letting me play, man. I really appreciate it. And he, he was like, man, come here. You were smoking. And he like gives me this big bear hug. 
and I, like you know I didn't cry but I, w- I was like oh man like Christian McBride likes my solo and so and and uh and so he told DC he's like man Alton can sub for you anytime and uh that was my that was my Christian McBride experience you know so I think that's amazing yeah so I, I played the shit out of that solo <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, on your album, that was the worst, one of the first things I said. Like, yeah, he fucking is killing it right now. Oh, man. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, Deez is a major inspiration for me. Yeah, oh. Stevie D? Uh, uh, Mike Deez and Steve Davis. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're both major inspirations for me. Okay, man. Like I said, I'm jealous of that, but... Just curious on one thing. Do you think yeah. big bands are going to die off? No. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I think, I, and that's a really great question, uh, but I think jazz as a whole, <clears throat> it's too much of a good community to die, for big bands to die off. Everybody in New York, and so, I, I, no, I can confidently say this. I mean, I've only lived here for like a year, but I've been playing here for quite uh, much longer. Mm-hmm. And big bands are always somebody, somebody is always wanting to do a big band project at some point in their career. I, I really feel, even if they don't feel it at this current moment, it's going to be something, you know, every major artist has done something in a big band. Everybody likes big band for, for multiple reasons, but as a community in jazz, it's imperative to do big band work. I don't think you actually know socialization skills until you until you do big band work. Wait, jazz socialization? You mean as artist to artist? That too. Okay, because person to person, some of these no, guys are killing no. you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But but like but like socialization, and you know like but to your point, those cats like that like don't know how to function a big band. I don't know. Are they like really an all around player then? Or can they only do like their thing? Ooh, ooh. Now you got something that I got to. I don't know. No. So you think a lot of these artists that don't go into big bands, stay with their same clique, can't do something outside of it? No. Okay. Uh, no. But, you know, but let's so like let's take it like Nicholas Payton, for example. OK. So like Nicholas isn't really doing big band stuff anymore. Yeah. But he had a, one of the best big bands at one point in his career. Yeah, but why do you think he stopped? Was it he got tired of dealing with the personalities? Was it because of the cost to move the big band? It was, it was probably the monetary reasons. Okay. I, I mean, I would only think – I don't know Nicholas, uh, but I've definitely like studied his career. And you know, the other thing is like I don't know if it's necessarily like they can't do it uh, or maybe, it, maybe, maybe they don't want to do it. And so because of that, they're not going to try because cause like in a big band – you have to like juggle so many things. Most of the time you're like sight reading something. Uh, so that's its own thing. The other time you're like squished in like a section. And then the monetary thing can really suck. But I think the benefits of big band greatly outweighs the stigma against like it not being as beneficial as maybe as a small group. I think the benefits of being in the big band actually like enforces or not enforces, but reinforces your small group playing. Maybe not as a rhythm section player. Um, I don't play rhythm section instruments, so I don't know. But 
even then, like Lewis Nash, I, I just played with Lewis in April. And like, he's one of the best big band drummers in the world, but he's also one of the funnest combo players. So I think the benefits of being in a big band greatly outweighs um, it going away. If that makes sense. I mean, a pro I'll give you is that it opens up more gigs and positions for younger artists and artists sure. in general. A yeah. con I would give is that it's easier to hide as a musician. Yes. If you're trombone four, I'm sorry. No offense yeah. to trombone players, but trombone four isn't doing anything sickening. I agree. I completely agree. However, on the other hand, whenever you do have a great trombone section. If. As I, I never see someone stack a trombone section like that purposely. I mean, you should check out the big man I play in with Ulysses. Okay, let's go to Mr. Owens. Okay. So it is my, generation. What is it? Why? No, no, no. Uh, his big man project. Oh, his big man project. Okay. Yeah. So it's Mike D's, uh, Eric Miller, mm-hmm. Gina Ben Alcazar, and myself. Okay. It's like a killer section. That's a legit one. So what is Trombone also, Four playing? I play Trombone Four. Okay. So what are you playing? Man, whole I notes, play, half no, notes. Okay. No, it's <laughs> I play a harder book. Um, and, and it's funny, like. Like some of them, well, in that band, like Ulysses loves the tradition and he also loves newer stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like trombone four is definitely a chameleon instrument in that big band. So I I sometimes play the tenor parts and I also like have my own parts. And then I also solo and playing like bass trombone in that band. It's fun. It's challenging for me. Um, Okay. Yeah. And then. And then, like, then, you know, like, Christian's big band, like, Doug Provides has a lot of exposed parts, uh, normally with the Barry, too. Um, but, like, the third trombone part, it's hard because uh, at least, at least, like, trombone nerd talk time. Like, at mm-hmm. least, like, like, where the partials lay on the horn. It's like, man, if you're not nailing that part, the section's not going to sound good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there are plenty of examples uh, on your on 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 your point as well that I completely agree with, but the big bands I played in with me and the bass player like we're gonna count how many times trombone four plays. So we're oh, just nice. waiting, we're waiting. Oh, he blew <laughs> one. Yep, nice. <laughs> Bop. Wait, <laughs> five notes, five measures. That's Bop. funny. Come on, <laughs> that's funny. No, no, my uh, my experience is, is, you know what. Um, this isn't like really straight ahead jazz, but there's jazz to it. Uh, the eight bit big band. Oh yeah, I know, I know. Man, know. that book is hard. I played, I played fourth bone in that. Oh, you played, you played on there and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I just, I just My did mistake. something. Oh no, no. Uh, but it's good that we get to know this. Like that's like excellent, you know. Yeah. Uh, I like um, their stuff. It's just that at the same time, you also got to remember if you did that twenty years ago, playing video game music. Oh yeah. And charting it everyone would have looked down on you, especially in the yeah. conservatory scene. Yes, yes. So it's a win that I see it moving that way, but it's also a con because is it just music is just, or jazz music, it's just not that popular to the right. point that they let that in? Yeah, it's it's interesting because, um, you know, I would say, I would say the same thing kind of happens though with, with like these different genres of jazz. Like, man, Terry Lynn Carrington's new project, Social Science, or newer. Yeah, the newer Science. project, yes. yes. Um, you know, like, is that is that in the canon too? I don't know. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's so, it's interesting. It's interesting. Some the way user stuff of me is like I charted a whole jazz 
big charts for a combo, not really for a big band, yeah. of the Ocarina of Chime. And yeah. this is like in the early 2000s. Uh-huh. And my instructor was just like point blank, yo, this is great, but who wants to hear this? <laughs> so I'm not saying I'm an innovator or anything like that. It's just no, that that was literally the response I got. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. And, and you know, it's it's funny, like, It's, it's funny. Like, so I went to Michigan State for my master's. And, like, it's not that we didn't do, like, new jazz. But, like, they their foundation is very heavily set on bebop blues and, uh, and, the, and the tradition, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's funny. Like, for my, for my master's thesis, I got asked to do uh, free jazz and how it was affected. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. But I learned a lot. You know, so you know that cat Roswell Rudd? Yes. So his the reason why he got into jazz is because of the uh, I guess the Hot Five. So his very first record was with Columbia, and he was playing, uh, for lack of better words, early jazz or Dixie Land. Yes. And for some reason, that like propelled him to thinking like free jazz, that propelled his career into free jazz because he loved the interaction so much. And it's really interesting how like that stuff uh, comes about or the progression, if you will. Like who would have. <clears throat> Who would have thought that that you know you playing? Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? Goes to like multiphonics. I mean, like, like listen, there's a whole bunch of artists that slowly, yeah. I hopefully get on that I could ask those type of things to. It's just interesting. It's it's very interesting to me. Um, I I love I I love being like, what's the right word? I love being shown like, oh, did you actually know this? And I was like, damn, no, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, D's Mike D's is a great at that kind of stuff. So I'm very fortunate for his mentorship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just so you know, Owens came on before. Love his stuff. I do like the fact that he has like two or three different type of big band projects. Mm-hmm. So he's doing his part to keep it alive. I'm proud mm-hmm. he does it. But then, like I said, the cost overall. So yeah. you're gonna do a big band project? I want to. Before I'm 40. How old are you right now? I'll be 29 next month. First of all, I love young artists. <laughs> Second of all, I'm pretty sure Positone would let you do that if you actually have the charts down and everything. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> but like my big band stuff is going to be like very much in the Latin vein as well. You know, that's that's just like where I'm at right now. Yeah, no, I, I say keep yeah. it that way. Yeah. You, you do your Turkish Latin stuff. Wait, but actually, if you grew up in in Texas, and I know this is probably going to be something I get clowned on. It's all good. So you're Turkish? I'm, I'm part Mexican and part Turkish. Okay, that's why. Okay, because I'm like, I don't know a big Turkish scene in Texas. In Houston. Okay. But, but that's because the consulate is there. So it's like. Yeah, that makes yeah, yeah. sense. Okay. But man, the Turkish food in uh, Forest Hills, Queens. Yeah, but that's where I know the circus people hanging out, and I'd be the first one to tell you the best Mexican food I had was actually in Texas. Yeah, like people go down there and eat just Mexican food for like two weeks straight. You will never eat at a Taco Bell again. No, you won't. Okay, so (laughs) New York does not have good Mexican food. No, it's horrendously bad. It's (laughs) Puerto Rican, Cuban, absolutely, but no, not Mexican food. Nah. 
<laughs> so, other thing now. Are you film charting also? So, so I've had like some really random experiences with like the the movie production uh, aspect of my career. Um, so I've done two major films and one like small film. Uh, the first film I did was My Little Pony. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Ah, uh, um, yes, we're gonna go it, into that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I have to ask. So my really good friend. Uh, David Young, he lives out in LA now, but he used to live in Austin. And he's always been into like producing stuff, you know, being like being like a creative visionary, if you will, for like different projects. He's a great jazz player, but he's just a great trumpet player in general and a great writer. Um, so he does he does like random things. Uh, but he moved to LA, or right before he moved to LA, he was he was working with this producer for Pitbull. And uh Wait, Pitbull, the yeah, the 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 rapper, I guess. Yeah, rapper is she okay? Yeah, okay. And so David, he's so funny, man. He uh, he he's very organized, but he's also last minute, and I love him. I love him, and it's not it's not it's not a diss. Um, but so David <laughs> was like, "Hey, bro, what are you doing like now?" I was like, oh. "Uh, I'm moving to Michigan in like three days, but right now I'm just watching like Seinfeld or something." He was like, well, take like 45 minutes, get warmed up, and then come to the studio. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, see you there. And so I went, and <laughs> he gave me a napkin that had like some ideas written on it. And so me and my buddy Matt Maldonado, he's a great uh, saxophonist in, in Austin, Texas, just a great working musician there. Um <clears throat> He was like, "Hey, yeah, Matt Alton, let's let's do this." And then uh, he played a bunch of stuff to us by ear, and so I was like, "Okay, I'll do this." Then he does it X Y Z, and uh, three months later, I found out it made it to the film uh, for My Little Pony, and so that record is uh, "Can You" or that CD or that track on the film score is "Can You Feel It" by D C and E, which is the Jonas Brothers. So your track was sung by the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, it was cool. But uh, but you can hear the horns like very well. And then uh, this last one, I had just gotten back from my very first run with Michael Bublé. Uh, I landed like two days back at JFK and I get this uh, text from – what's my man's name? Um, Mark Nylon Jr. Okay. Mark Nylon or not, one of the two. So he's done like he did like that Lady Gaga Tony Bennett movie. He was the uh, composer for that, and all. And uh, he's done multiple different things. Uh, but David, living in uh, Los Angeles, had gotten connected with Mark. He was like, "Hey man, like, do you have some horn players that could like do a demo that might make the film?" He was, I was like, "Yeah, sure." And it paid great. It was one track, and he was like, "Just use your ear." Uh, so I did that. And then I I was originally going to not do it because I was like, man, I just got done with this tour. Like, I'm like tired. But he he was like, well, you know, it would be for Puss in Boots, too. I was like, okay. (laughs) So so I sent him the track. And then a month later, he sent me a contract from, I guess, DreamWorks. It was DreamWorks and the Puss in Boots that just came out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it was DreamWorks, the that theater company that did it, or or whatever the company was, and signed my 
signed my disclosure and got paid and we were good. You're living such a horrible life, you know. That? It's it's rough out here, bro. I know. But but my very first gig outside of college, I so I play euphonium. I play euphonium as well. Like that's my first instrument. Uh, I can make fun of that instrument. I know. I, well, so instead of getting a useless uh, euphonium performance degree, I got fun of my friend. I got a useful jazz trombone degree. <laughs> uh, so you could say I I lateraled. I didn't level up. I lateraled, but. Uh, it, it's funny. Uh, you know, euphoniums, it was my first instrument. And I, I used to take it very, or I was very serious about it. Uh, I was, I did like Tanglewood. I was going to do all that stuff. Oh, you know, my friend then. Uh, uh, Probably. I uh, say that after the show. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I did all that whenever I was like 15, 16. And uh, so, I, but I, I still play it. You know, like I've done doubles on like off Broadway stuff. And I actually recorded two tracks on my, on, on a couple of albums of mine. Um, I just love the sound. It's very pure. And, um, and so I got asked to do this, uh, random like recording session in Austin. I was like 18. So I brought my girlfriend at the time with me. I was like, Hey babe, let's go to the studio. You know? And so I played my lowest note, my highest note, and then like a couple of like bird call stuff for like, I guess, effect. I played like 20 whole notes and I got paid 400 bucks. How long did it take you to do that though? 20, 25 minutes. Okay, my man's winning over here. All right, I don't, and yeah. a lot of people hate you now. Well, and so <laughs> it, 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 it was for like this because I, I guess South by Southwest it's really big in Austin. They have like a really big um, uh, uh, film portion to their festival, and it was like entered into that. And it was like a it's called Yakona. It's about like the San Marcos River, um, which is in Texas, mm -hmm. and uh, that's what it was for. But that's like I've always if it's always been random. I've never really sought out to be a movie. Uh, person it's great whenever i get to do it but it's, it's not just i'm not like actively seeking those opportunities it's it's just been wonderful to get thrown into those situations where like i can like thrive like because they'll be like hey can you like you know earball this and then you know do it do do something that like relates and normally i talk with whomever is asking me in this case david young i'll just like play stuff that's that he's recorded and then like i'll do stuff with and stuff based off him and that's just like how it's been, uh, I guess, somewhat successful with like these random films. Hmm. I must say you got a very great career going right now and it I, probably will I get better. I, I, I hope so. I appreciate it. I have nothing negative to say, which some people are probably saying, what the F? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, 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 um, what's like the right word? It's easy to like get get like dark on certain things like like I'm I'm really quick to be like oh man like what what can I change but you know right now I feel really good about like what I'm doing and it's really affirming to hear that you know so thank you Andrew. yeah I know some people are just like probably gonna wait I like I really don't have anything really on this guy <laughs> he's 29 and he's killing it right now the only thing that would be worse if, if like he did a project with Samara Joan Joy. <laughs> oh well, my one of my best friends is her, is her pianist. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut, and we're gonna end it off that people because uh, <laughs> watch him be on her next album, man. So, <laughs> but Mr. Sinclair, can you tell the people how to reach you, your email, yeah. your social media, all that stuff? Yeah. So so my uh my social media. 
I'm on Instagram and on Facebook a lot. Uh, my Instagram is Alton101, uh, A-L-T-I-N-101. And then my Facebook, I, I use my personal page a lot, and it's just Alton Brennan Sinclair, A-L-T-I-N-B-R-E-N-N-A-N-S-E-N-C-A-L-A-R. And then I'm not really on Twitter that much. I only do it to like retweet like radio DJs who have like played my stuff. Um, uh, and that's like at A Sinclair Music, same spelling as before. I'm on TikTok too, A Sinclair. Um, so, you know, I, I do much of that. I, I have like a newsletter that you can check out on my website, www.altonsinclair.com. Okay. Well, sir, thank you for joining us. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. Not much on my part today, people. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks, Leander. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.